The Sports Career Podcast, episode 315, how to develop resilience in sports and life. Hello Sports Achiever and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Crew Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers and if this is your first time tuning in, thank you. And most importantly, if you are a loyal listener, thank you so much for supporting the show and listening to the show every week. I'm super grateful. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in the Olympics, working with elite athletes, but most importantly, have a desire to be a better version of you. I hope today's episode can support your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is a returning guest of the show, Lee McDermott. Lee has over 15 years of experience as an elite gymnast, and high-performance coach in the sports and entertainment industry. He is also an Olympian and two-time gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games. For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Lee back on the show, where he'll share his sports grid journey with you, but also share about his new book, which is all about how to develop your resilience in sports and in life. Lee, it's such a joy to have you back on the podcast show and everybody in for a real treat because I don't share this often who I work with, but actually I've been working with Lee with regards to his new book, which is out today live. Like this is actually live, his new book, but we got connected on a podcast like this back in 2020 and it was episode 262, Lee, which was all about how can gymnastics prevent concussions in contact sport but for the listeners listening in who didn't listen to your first podcast can you just give a little snapshot who you are and we'll talk about the book a bit later on but just give a little flavor to listeners of who you are and who is Lee. I'm Lee I was a gymnast for many many years back in the UK uh, on the British national team uh, went to Olympic Games double Commonwealth Games gold medalist um, British champion twice uh, numerous world championships from from my sporting career went on to be the national coach of New Zealand uh, of gymnastics for many years I was coaching there in New Zealand with the national team and finally Cirque du Soleil came around they asked me to join I joined and I was with Cirque du Soleil for nine years and finally ended up on the um, the Michael Jackson show in Las Vegas a uh, hugely successful show on on, on the strip there and then finally um, left left that show and I've moved to Australia to begin a new life here in Australia. And that that's 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 things in a nutshell. It is. And look, if you want more information on the first podcast, there will be in the show notes. It's worth listening because we actually dig deep relating to Lee's experience as a gymnast and how he's helped other sports with regards to how they can prevent injury. So this is a totally different topic today. Um, and a lot of what Lee said in a nutshell is relating to his brand new book. But I always say this, 
and we know each other quite well now because we haven't missed a Thursday call except during the Christmas period. But for the listeners who's like, Ed, this is too personal here. It's because we've been working together for a long time. But I always say this to every special guest. Now, I'm relating this question to our last podcast chat, by the way. But relating to our last podcast chat, what would you say one skill you've developed with regards to your personal development? What would it be? Um, Perseverance. Uh, And that's purely because during lockdown, uh, and I'm not alone, there was many people that um, struggled through that period of time uh, with with careers, jobs, life in general. And through that period, I wrote a book, um, very naively starting that process and at times being so annoyed with writing a book uh, that it was just, it got too much, but I stuck with it. And so I, I think, Perseverance is probably probably the one that sticks sticks in my mind. Just from an application standpoint of perseverance, going back to your gymnastic career, like we will talk about the book, but I think it's I think it's such a great skill that perseverance, but it's hard to teach it. You know, you can't just say, hold on time, you've got to persevere right now. When do you think of the moments when we persevere? Please relate to I would say your gymnastics career, because I know your story quite well now, but there's periods I can relate to what you've just said. But out of interest, how have you persevered going back to your gymnastics career, which have supported you now with your decision making? Yeah, sure. Going through the gymnastics career, obviously, there's there's highs and lows in every sports person's uh, career. And I think it's just having those those milestones of um, successes, but also acknowledging the the failures. And, and the difficult times. And when those difficult times um, come around, taking a step back uh, uh, and, and assessing where you're at right now and maybe refocusing the goal, maybe from a long-term perspective down to a, maybe a micro part of let's get through next week. Or let, maybe it's even let's get through today. And if you can get through today, then tomorrow comes. And, and then the, all of a sudden that week has gone. And then all of a sudden that month has gone. And then all of the, then after that, that month's disappeared. And you, you tend to then rise through to, to the next stage. And if you do that on, a, on an often basis, and accepting the, the good stuff and, and the, the difficult things, I think that that's what builds your character and your, your perseverance along the way. So maybe taking those big chunks and putting them into micro, micro steps. But with those micro steps, I'm seeing your hands. I wish everybody could see your, your hands because it makes total sense. But how is perseverance more of a mindset shift than actually a process driven? I'll give you one example because it's in the book and it's a perfect example. When you um, eventually got to the Olympics, which you really want to do at such a young age, the next competition afterwards wasn't a great competition. You called it a big dip. At that point, of that competition, I think it was in Paris, if I'm correct, you had to persevere to get back to a new line of focus of maybe a new goal because you've already achieved something you've been aiming to achieve for such a long period of time. So I get your point with having milestones and goals, but I'm just curious of how perseverance is more of a mindset, different state of mind than a practical exercise or or a goal, if that makes sense. It, it is a state of mind, uh, for, for sure. Like I, I was in a really bad spot after the Olympics, after after kind of the big dip. And many sports people will understand what it's like coming off off a, off a huge success. So for me, I 
tend to compartmentalize and I try and put things in little boxes and try and, and then again, like refocus on, on, okay, look, things are not going particularly well. What can I do or who can I rally around me to try to, to help me get through? And my wife was a, was a big supporter through that, that period of time. Um, to be honest, really kicking my butt in the mornings, get, getting me out of bed. Uh, so it's not, always self but um it, it, it can also be a, a, the the people that you surround yourself with um and then gradually step by step that that does change your, your focus right i'm going to give another example because we've seen the sport you're loving this because i know your book quite well now lee i'm going to give a real life example of perseverance when you're actually in australia with your mates having that barbecue and you persevered into applying to the circus of the soleil role like I'm just, I want perseverance to not be, it has to be, you have to be in a sporting environment. So reflecting, how has perseverance supported you with life decisions of careers? But And like, just to give the picture, it's all in the book, everybody. But honestly, one of the fascinating parts of Lee's journey was when he was at Circus, which he actually up doing a show uh, called The Zen Show in um, Japan, if I'm correct. So um, I'm just curious, going back a step, when you had your mates, sort of going, go on, Lee, put your CV in. How did you have to persevere your gymnastic skills and then apply into sort of a circus environment uh, at the elite end? They they asked me to put my CV forward to, to Cirque du Soleil. Um, I was pretty happy where I was, to, to be honest, uh, at, the, at the time. And they just kept nudging me and nudging me and nudging me. And I finally put it, finally put the my CV forward. And I kind of got the call up for an interview and, and, and basically start the process just like you would with any other job however i didn't really understand the full uh concept of what Cirque du Soleil was really about uh, of course we all see shows we all think oh isn't this wonderful and wouldn't that be a great a great life um and don't get me wrong i i had a, a an amazing career with with Cirque du Soleil but i was a very small fish in a massive big pond and to to go into a career which you've literally have no idea about, um, and that and that's also the business of sport or entertainment. So I'm I'm coming out of a let's say a coaching aspect and going into a business, uh, an environment, um, is a completely different concept, and also understanding the creative processes that that happen during uh, creating a show. I don't know those. I didn't know those things. All I knew was go from A to Z uh in, in a in a sporting context and really having to shift a mindset to um to fit in but also to have add, add value to to the shows and add value to coaching so just touching on that perseverance because again this is such a i'm glad we're sticking to this theme a little bit because you had to adapt and i think perseverance is all about adaption so reflecting what you've just said there how did that perseverance support you um reflecting now with that decision when i when i look back um i was with the company for nine years and going from the the z show in in japan to finally being the the head coach of michael jackson one in in las vegas so to be honest i must have done a great job (laughs) and and they they were they were super happy with me to do that and that is about persevering that's but I think you came up with a, a good thing there, Ed, that what's more important is a, about being adaptive. 
being an adaptive person um, and embracing change uh, and, and being adaptive to, to your environment. So just leading today's podcast topic, because I've been looking forward to this and I haven't actually done one on this, you know, word resilience. We can relate to it a lot in the sporting world and business, but not more in the life and our decisions. So getting to today's podcast topic, like how can we, but relating to your experience, uh, Lee, can we develop resilience in sport, in our career and in life in general? When I look back, the easy, the easy days were easy. It's it's um, it's looking back and, and having a self reflection on the days that are that are tough, and you know every sports person will understand those those hard days, and where the days where you just do not want to get out of bed. You um, and if if you can literally drag your butt out of bed, and get to the gym that day, I think then you've got to take something positive from that day. It might be it might be a small it might be a small thing. It might be that you're you you've done your swim and you're one second ahead of where you were yesterday. And it might or or point half of a second or something. Or you manage to do a skill without falling over or, or but taking a positive out of a day. And if you can keep chipping away at those little positive milestones on the rough days, I think uh that that also helps but also then reflect having the going to the end of each day and reflecting on your your state of mind that day and, and what it what did you achieve and I, and I, I always try and focus on what what did I achieve so just on that note because this relates to that and doing the reps we've talked about milestones but how important is it that phrase keep showing up because you know this, I'm doing a triathlon and I'm doing it for uh, two stroke charities. And <laughs> you, you chuckle at me because I'm in the pool at half six every morning, uh, four t- well, five times a week. And there are times I said to you, I, I don't want to be there at times. But when I'm actually in the water, I know I've already won the day because of that. As you said, I got out of bed. But And that's why every time I, I just share my story, it's, I always say keep showing up. Um, even if I have a bad day in the pool, at least I've shown up because next day could be better. So I just want to hear your thoughts relating to your, particularly your gymnastics career, because I think people can relate to it from, you know, the, the longevity of the athletic gymnastics career. But because I know I'm going to bring Maxine up because there's many times she supported you to get out of bed. But relating to that phrase, keep showing up, looking back, how has that supported you? Not just winning the gold medals, but actually the longevity of your career as well? Well, the first point is to to show up and that's getting your physical body out of bed and getting to the pool or getting to the gym or whatever. The next point of showing up is the mental state of showing up and, and going, actually, am I just showing up physically or am I going to actually try and get something out of today? And you might have to, you might actually have to change your plan of what that day uh, entails, but showing up and then and then trying to, trying to grab hold of something that getting those little micro successes for the day. Um, and, and, and you might have to change your goal for that day, but it, that, that, and that's okay. I'm going to, again, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm peeling this onion. How vital is purpose then? Again, I'm going to relate to me because I'm experiencing it. When I do have those bad days, I actually go back to the root of the purpose. And every time I think about it, I'm just being, I'm being so truthful. I think of my father, he's had a stroke for 10 years. He, he's till this day, can't use his left arm. 
And whenever I'm in the pool, I'm like, well, I can still use my left arm. So I have no excuses. So every time I think about that and why I'm doing that at 6.30 or near enough seven, it's not about seven o'clock where my chest is burning. I know that's where purpose has a vital part to just keep going. So I'm just curious to you and relating to particularly the Olympic journey, which is fascinating story in the book. How has that supported you that your your Everest in, in from a you know a vivid perspective was the Olympics? Um having that purpose behind, you know, what we're doing. Because I think if we don't have that, it's hard to achieve what we want to achieve. That makes sense. Well, to be honest, um, everyone goes, yeah, it's great to set a goal and you, you set, you set your goals and that's easy for someone like yourself or me sitting on a podcast to go, set yourself a goal, go on, off you go. Um, but what I, what I found when I went to the gym every day was that everything that I did in the gym had to have a purpose. So the day had to have a purpose and the exercise that I was, um, trying to do had to have a purpose. If it doesn't have a purpose to meet the goal or the objective, then there's no point doing it. And, and that, that was, that was my whole thought process when I was, was training. Um, some people might even say it's laziness that you don't want to do all these other things around it. But I, I tried to really focus on the things that, that were purposeful for me to, to achieve my goals. Does that make sense? It does. And I hope people are taking notes because now I've, you know, this book journey, I don't call it work with you. It's just been a fun book journey. You know, these are the little things I've learned from you along the way. And I, I want to now pivot this conversation to the book and probably why resilience is meaningful. Cause that is the, the name of the book resilience on rings. Just, you know, before I say why you wrote the book, but going to the title of the book, how does resilience on rings resonate with you? Because this is your book cover, like reflecting now the book's live I'm just curious of why that name, um, that makes sense. Rings for me has two purposes. One, the Olympic rings uh, that for, for me as, a, as an Olympian, but also rings was my, my forte, my, my, my apparatus that I excelled on. Resilience for, for me, because again, there were so many highs, but there was a lot of lows as well. And there were some really difficult times. And I really wanted the reader to understand not just the, the good stuff, but also um, leaving myself vulnerable a little bit there and putting laying everything on the table and people can read that how hard it can be as a as a, a sports person to to get through a through a career. But not just in sport, that's that's life that was with coaching and that was after sport as well. And after sport, um, as we will talk possibly later about the loss of identity around that and being resilient uh, to to basically come back again. So resilience on rings that that's the title. Brilliant, and we'll, we'll touch on the book. I'm going to ask the simple question a bit later while we wrote it, but I actually want to highlight one success. Um, is one of my actual parts of the book from a performance standpoint with regards to the highs and lows within your career. And it was the 1994 Commonwealth Games in, in Canada, where you were 0 0.1 uh, missing bronze in the overall, but you won gold on the rings, you know. And I'm just, you know, I want to just touch on this example. You've just said it there of the resilience, but relating to that Commonwealth Games, Lee, 
you know, from the ups and downs within a competition, how did you look at that from a focus, but also pressure perspective of capitalizing your opportunities despite you lost by 0.1? Could you explain how that's fine margins in gymnastics for one, but two, reflecting the fulfillment of winning gold um, on the rings as well? Let's put it in perspective. 0.1 is less than a toe flicker uh, of a, or a little, a tiny little step um, across six apparatus. So yes, of course I missed, I missed the bronze medal by 0.1. So not very much. Uh, But I, but I have to say that I was extremely happy. Uh, I, my buildup was, was amazing for, for that competition, but I was sick just beforehand. And when when you talk about resilience and and you're trying you you understand that you've got a you've got a job to do you have responsibilities to your team because this was a team event as well as a, an individual event uh, that I had responsibilities to my country to my club to me as an athlete uh, to my coaches to to step up and then when when I was sick and and trying to compete. Uh, I have to say I did a, a darn good job, uh, and and so I, I I can't be unhappy with with the the fourth place that I got there. But on the other hand, I made the rings final, and I I won gold medal on the rings, and I became Commonwealth Games uh, champion on rings with a huge success, and and the amount of media that that surrounded um, me winning my gold, I guess. Again, I'm going to say this question again because this is the point because I'll probably never experience. I just want you to share to listeners that experience on the podium. I know this question gets asked a lot to Olympians, Commonwealth, anybody who's won a medal on a podium. But reflecting now, like, do you still get goosebumps from that experience relating to it? I'm just just curious. Yeah, of course. It's um, It's nice to look back, but at the time... It's very emotional. You can see the people around you uh, cheering and, and or crying with happiness. And internally, you also want to have maybe a bit of emotion. Some people deal with it very differently. I, I kind of wanted to cry internally <clears throat> um, it just just because I was so happy of, of what I've achieved. I didn't necessarily need the gold medal around my neck, uh, but just knowing the fulfillment of what I'd done and what I had achieved was good enough for me. Let's dig dig deep on this because this is really powerful stuff if people can apply it to their life, not just in sport but outside. But you just said, and I was going to say that, of course the medal is the, you know, external motivation. But would you say the internal motivation was more fulfilling, not just winning on the the goal but the podium? Because I've actually done a thesis with boxers where um, looking at internal and external motivation and a lot of them were driven due to internal motivation meaning pride meaning making their family proud then actually being a world champion boxer or actually boxers would rather hear their name going and the world new heavyweight champion of the world than actually winning the actual title belt that is the internal uh motivation they have i'm just curious of your thoughts of what i've just said so you didn't know that about me did you on that (laughs) No, I did not. No, I did not. Um, I would, I would say that's a hundred percent correct. I didn't need, the, I didn't need the medal or the trophy. It was knowing that I will be in history as 
British champion or Commonwealth Games gold medalist, and no one can take that away from me. That's that's all my hard work with me and my coaches, um, and the the pride uh, and the sense of achievement uh, outweighs the actual physical medal. And to be honest, my medals are, are in the cupboard somewhere. So it's more about my internal my internal part. Sure. So just just on the internal part, how did you use that to fuel you to keep going? That's a good question. Because of the sense of pride and the feeling that I got from previous competitions leading up to Commonwealth Games, that was my British Championships or the English Championships or the Regional Championships or the Club Championships. All those little successes uh, are milestones uh, uh, that um, build trust within yourself. Uh, and, if, and the trust builds the, the confidence of, of yourself. And that that then grows and grows and grows and grows until you get to the point where you are champion, I guess. And the trust with trust within your your approach, trust within your self belief, uh, it all, all comes down into one connected part, I guess. I've got to bring him in now. Now you've given talk about that self trust. Um, Dave Diggle is part of um, the book. He did a wonderful forward in the book as well and he's a podcast special guest and he talks about flow state which i'm geeking out at right at the moment even my career i'm trying to how can i get my flow state in the pool on the mic um and it's all about aligning your focus but also having pure trust in your ability in the performance so you know dave thank you for sharing your knowledge to the world on that but lee relating to what dave shared in the book but also you not knowing this when you were performing like, I'm just curious of your thoughts on flow state as a topic. At the time, I didn't understand what really flow state was. I, I knew, and my wife and my mum my mom had said to me a few times, I've become very robotic. Uh, like, there was very, very clear systems of what I needed to do. I had to listen to my music prior to. I had to warm up a certain way or have certain clothes on. Or, like, you have your rituals. That, that every every athlete or a lot of athletes have. So I didn't really understand the word flow state at the time. I just knew that I became very robotic. And when I had the British Championships and the, and the Olympic Games, I have very, very little recollection of the actual competition itself. And I didn't really understand what that meant. And afterwards, I just knew at the time that I was probably unstoppable or I felt unstoppable. Um, going into the competition and that's I guess what Dave Diggle is relating to is that that self-trust around your your build-up and your mental state and your and your preparation leading into the competition creates what flow flow is and I'm probably not doing Dave justice here you'd have to read the book and his his part in the book to actually really understand the the scientific part of around what flow state actually is particularly with the brain and the different aspects of the brain yes. we used he, he just said the front i always remember i'm giving a little hint everybody he said the front cortex of the brain in the front side if you get the self-trust right i think if i'm correct he said it's 20 times more effective your performance because it's natural it's a subconscious so it's fascinating so i'm going to go back to the basic question we've sort of given people little breadcrumbs of the book but lee like why did you want to write a book a lot of people would ask me over the years to write a book and i just felt like i was a kid from peckham that didn't really know how to how to write a book <laughs> uh, 
And who writes books? I, I don't know many people that have actually wrote books. Of, of course, I, I see them up on the shelves, but I don't actually physically know someone who's wrote a book. So I didn't really know what it entailed. And people just kept bugging me. And I guess COVID was a great time to self-reflect, looking at where I'm at in my life, looking at where the world is, actually, what, what's going on uh, globally. And I just felt it was the right time to to put something on paper. And when I reached out to you, Ed, on, the, on that phone call to say, hey, I've got an idea. Um, I don't think I could have done that myself. I, I'm very good at bouncing off somebody else and, and b- surrounding myself with, with great people. And I think just that, that chemistry around that, Ed, um, has enabled the book to, to come alive and put all those thoughts for years and years on onto paper. And there we go. We we have a book. Exactly. And I need to do another shout out because it was actually Ben Gollings who connected us both. And then we did the podcast. And then I have to share a little bit. I'm all about integrity, so I won't give too much away because for me, that conversation was wonderful. It was very special. And it's probably why the book is special as well. But when Lee rang about half 11 at night, I'm going, OK, I'll take this call. And about an hour, we were talking, scribbling notes and you know, for me, what was, you know, just to give people who, especially if you are athletes, you know, we want to help on this because I, and I will talk about identity in a sec, Lee, but I do believe there's a book in everybody. But if you are Olympian, you've gone through experiences that, should we say, like myself, haven't uh, behind the scenes of the dedication of what they're trying to achieve in the sport and particularly if you're the route is the olympics or paralympics you know any global sporting event i should say but with um with lee i just said to him just to give people you know perspective i said lee we'll jump on a call we'll do six hour interview three two hour calls because the podcast wasn't long enough and i didn't actually know all lee's life in a way and it was afterwards i went let's do this and again for more perspective when I spoke to Lee, he, he was out in Singapore, and I. This is so true, and you know this, Lee. When I spoke to Lee, I was like, I actually just want Lee because he couldn't see his family in Australia because of the COVID restrictions, travel. It was a very stressful period for everybody. I said, look, my goal is just to get you back home. Like, if the book can do that, and it did provide you focus, which I know you said there were some frustration points, but the beautiful thing is, I always believe when you got a project that provides focus it eliminates any negativity. Um, so I'd love you to reflect what I've just said and and probably how this 18 months have been for you reflecting now, because now you're back home with your family. And just last thing, he was back home within four months. And then I was like, oh my gosh, we've got to now write a book. <laughs> that was my experience at the time to make it happen. But my, my why was to get you to your family. That was far more important than the book in somebody's hands and now it can be in somebody's hands it's made this whole journey special so i'd like you to reflect what i've said let me provide you a question of the process looking back look i i do think it's important to have a goal and to to have a focus focus goal whatever word you would like to to use yes it did it gave me it gave me some alignment that i can finish work and then go and focus on something to to have an outcome and when covid was a time where everybody was in that muddled state of going, is this going to be six months, one year, two years, five years, 10 years? We, we didn't know when this was going to end. I, it, gave, it gave me clarity of what I could do on an, on an evening. 
I can sit down, have dinner, and start editing and and writing uh, chapters and putting things together. So I think having a having a process of of the book really helped. And that's just the same as when you're you're a competitor or you're a coach, having a process and and putting things in place. And I guess what I learned through sport, they were transferable skills that you know that I could then put those into writing writing a book and maybe maybe the word is refocus in in a different in a different way i love that just tailoring it now this conversation to other athletes who are listening in because this is to me really important um and it is in the book but i think i love this phrase from you you said you know being an olympian it can't be taking away from you like you should be proud of this identity even after your sport but for any athletes who are listening going, i'd like to write a book but they're on edge what would be their guidance to them? Because this is honest truth. I've spoke to other Olympians and when I listen to their story, I'm like, my gut is saying, you're a right book because their experience is so unique but can help others. So I'm just, I'd like you to provide some inspiration. Now you've experienced it, why other athletes should write a book or use their Olympic, you know, not status, but use their Olympic identity to leverage for new opportunities. Um, Because I don't want them to be stuck in the past. That's probably my point um and on that side of things of course we we have that label and identity as a as an olympian and i think that that there's a lot of transferable skills that come from that uh we we've learned many many things along the way from maybe when you started sport at five ten years old through to when you retire at 30 35 whatever or 40 or whatever that that may be um there's a lot of life lessons there's a lot of sporting lessons there's a lot of understanding about biomechanics, physiotherapy, uh, rest periods, periodization, um, human emotion, tough times, great times, relationships. I'm just picking all these off the top of my head, Ed. Um, macro cycles, micro cycles. Um, uh, there's so many things that, that Olympians can use to bring to business, bring to other 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 avenues that are or can be underutilized and i i i think that writing a book is was a great focus point for me uh and i think there is a book in every everybody but especially olympian with with those learning aspects now there's another part of it is what do you want people to to read uh, and and that's another part. That's a another part of the the book is not necessarily about just what does mum and dad and friends want to hear, but what what can I have to offer to help others? And and I'm sure we as Olympians have huge amounts to offer um, many aspiring athletes or coaches. Hundred percent. Now I'm going to put it in the spot. Could you actually share to listeners like what your book is about and how they can learn from you but also most importantly from your experiences because that's the key from my experience everybody when being part of this process with Lee it's his experiences that draw the lessons that have supported my personal development um so I'm just curious like could you just share what is the book about they know the title now but in detail what's the book actually about the first let's say third of the book is about the younger years of growing up and starting a sporting career and trying to reach to be, let's say, British champion. What hurdles uh, did I go through and the, what, 
what it took to become a British champion, what the kind of stepping stones, I guess, uh, um, and acknowledging the good bits that that happened. The middle section is really about the the, Olymp- the Olympics and Commonwealth Games and really consolidating myself as, as a really strong athlete. The, the flow state, which we spoke about with Dave Diggle, uh, but also dealing with uh, some bad injuries that I had had on my knees um, and the rehab process to, to go through, the mindset to, to go through, how to get back on top, how to become a champion again after um, many, many, many months of being out of the of competing from having ACL reconstructions. So it's that highs of competing, but also the, the lows uh, of dealing with injuries and struggles. The, the third section is really about retirement, the loss of identity, um, and the labeling of yourself. I, I am Lee the gymnast, and now I'm not. What am I? Who am I? Um, and feeling lost and feeling depressed is is the word and i've used that strongly in the book and i've tried to explain why we went went through that that stage um and then how to pick yourself back up again and reinvent yourself and becoming national coach of new zealand to obviously having those struggles of depression and then going back to Cirque du Soleil having a, a great success of building the z show that was was there and i give a little bit of detail around the processes around what what how that happened and then there was life-changing event uh, and and a massive one which was the earthquake and tsunami in in japan when i was living there in tokyo at the time and i've gone through how i dealt with the earthquake and tsunami how how i've done with life as a husband how it changed me as a dad and again the struggles around the earthquake and tsunami and again post that trying to pick yourself up to becoming the the head coach of the michael jackson show in las vegas so there's there's many dips but there's some there's some great highs as well and and a lot of life lessons through through that journey Lee, every time you mention about the earthquake, I choke up every flipping time. And I'm going to give the perspective. When we did this six-hour interview, we got to this part. We were, oh, well, I was tearing up. Um, you have no idea, everybody. And it's very hard for me to choke. I've choked three times on my podcast. But when we did this for the book, I was, um, I, I couldn't really speak because not just the book. And everybody, you need to get a copy because this part of the book puts in perspective of life and actually our, when we were talking this period well we we, t- we got rid of the tears with a few with a couple of tissues but you said something to me which I want to share one quote in the book which has helped me till this day after that experience you just said it just then with regards to that one event where you look at life in a different perspective as a father as a human being and it relates to this sort of motto you have don't sweat the small stuff is the motto but the quote is don't sweat the small stuff if it really doesn't matter, it's not important. I love you just to share how this motto has changed the perspective of how you look at life, Lee, in general. If I look at it in business and also in life and as a husband, um, sometimes we let a lot of the really small niggles get in the way of a judgment or or make us really annoyed that maybe we don't um, 
we don't have an effective day uh, around that. And so I try to look at things of going, you know, is this really important? Does this need to affect me today? And if the answer is no, uh, and you can either zip it or you can compartmentalize and put it in a box and deal with it later, or it's just something that really doesn't matter, then, then let it go. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. And after having a life changing uh, experience, I can honestly say our life is really short on this earth and we should embrace every, every good part of around what, what happens and try and f- f- take the focus away from negative to, to positive. And like I said, if it, if it really doesn't matter, basically let it, let it go. Let, focus on, focus on the stuff that does matter and the stuff that can, keep you focused 100 percent. now i am trying to in a polite way to the listeners to grab a copy and i would love you to talk about where they can get the book but also the book bonuses we've created because you know for me we're about adding value and hopefully this podcast has added you, you value today but would you mind just sharing lee where the book is and the, the two bonuses when they do grab a copy Happy to help if you want me to go in detail with the bonuses, by the way. Sure, sure. Uh, the book is available on Amazon. Just type in the, the search at the top, uh, Resilience on Rings. The book will come up. It's on Kindle and it's also on paperback. We will be having a audible version at some point in the future uh, for, for those that are more listening based. Uh, when, when you're on your um, treadmill or on your bike, you will have a version for you later. But yeah, it's it's in Amazon. We decided to add bonuses because we wanted to add value to the book and add value to the reader and the listener to um, to this not just be about a book. Uh, there there's, there's there are added values, and Ed and I have created uh, some some values. And Ed, if you want to go into the actual um, to the bonuses that we've added and what um, what value do you see that we brought to, to the reader? Firstly, because I've worked with Lee, I like to be so authentic and say how it is. When we were actually writing the book, I said we need more than just a reader experience or listener experience because there's only so much a book or audio book can do and the audio book will be out, out live soon as well. Um, there's two bonuses we've done. So we've done a identity masterclass. Uh, this is one part of the book when you do get a grab a copy, you'll see that and actually he's wearing a hat by the way so it's a perfect metaphor like in lee's life and all our lives we all have different hats at different stages so for my life it was ed at school ed going to university ed as a podcaster and now ed helping athletes write books these are identity points for lee it was you know a boy from peckham getting into gymnastics then actually being a british champion then being olympian and then being a national coach and then working at circus Delight. these are identity points so we want to do a master class on it, like talking about identity and labeling what are the similarities what are the differences so it helps you meaning you the listener really have focus and purpose in what you do so that's number one bonus and that's an hour and that was a really powerful uh master class we've done talk about identity and the second one now this was like we had to do this because we didn't really have much guidance of writing this book. So we're actually doing a uh, self-publishing mini course included uh, to help athletes 
in particular. Um, but if you want to be an author, the information we'll be sharing will support you. Um, doesn't matter what genre of book, but we actually share you a mini course of the process of the last 18 months, which I promise you, when you have all this information, you, it won't take you 18 months. <laughs> it will be a lot shorter um, because we've gone through the hoops, the learning mistakes, uh, the editing experiences, um, the last minute adjustments. I was up um, at 12 uh, in the morning yesterday doing some final adjustments of our marketing campaign. Um, so it's not just writing the book itself. It's the things behind the scenes. And so that's all included um, when you purchase a copy of the book. Um, there's a in there'll be a URL where you get your, you buy your book on Amazon, put in your receipt number on the form. And then we'll send you these two bonuses. So, yeah, like, honestly, this is more than just a book uh, in our eyes. And that was always the goal. And we hope you take advantage of them, um, if that makes sense. So they won't be there forever. Uh, let me be clear. It'll probably be um, next sort of 30 days, to be honest. So, yeah, more information on that. Check the show notes. But Lee, relating to what I've just said, um, I'm always I'm not always about selling. I'm not that type of guy. I'm always about adding value with, with with like a podcast. But with regards to you nodding your head about the 18 month process, like be honest, if you had something to support in this book process, looking back, how would it have been more helpful <laughs> of having some sort of idea and guidance? To be honest, what we've experienced through through writing a book. And like I said, I was very naively going into this process of writing a book. And we have put bullet points as to what were our hurdles to go through. And if, if someone had told me what we needed to go through, I, we would have saved months and months of work um, and simplified and understood this and simplified the steps to get to this point. And like I said, I thought, write a book. I'll stick it on Amazon. Boom, there you go. And and a bunch of people will write a book. And that's just not the case. And and timelining everything out, just like a competition or, or, or a deadline that you have to in business, we, we timelined everything out and we we went through a process. It's a it's a messy, it's a messy creative process. But I, I but I think if if someone had uh, given me a bit of guidance or us a, a, some guidance said I it would have saved a lot of time and effort. 100%. But it's been part of the fun process as well. Like, I think that's part of the... Sure, 100%. Yeah. So this course is more of a guidance tool. You won't have all the answers because when you actually do it, that's where the fun begins. And like the one that come back to me is when we were... That editing process, when you're in Singapore, I was in the UK and it was like backs and forwards, different versions. But that's part of the messiness. Uh, but in time, it created, I'm going to say it, the masterpiece. And... It, it, it looking back that's part of the fulfillment of, of the whole thing goes going back reflecting even this conversation lee you saying it was about the medal and the podium it's the fulfillment of achieving it it's the exact same thing uh, and on that note how is that same feeling i know it's not exact it's a different environment and it's a sport but you actually launching and now being labeled an author we haven't even said that how does that feel <laughs> from an, like an internal motivation perspective putting you on the spot again it's it's quite amazing because I, I never really thought I'd be able to write a book. So to do something that's so far out of my comfort zone, like I, I'm just, I was just a sports person or a, or a coach or whatever. Um, and now I'm an author and I'm, I've, I've wrote a book and I can help others through, through this journey. Um, yeah. It's, it's a great sense of fulfillment and to actually have 
the author's copy in my hand currently, which only arrived uh, last week or beginning of this week, actually, that, um, yeah, that's that, that's a real sense of achievement. 100%. Look, we're nearly wrapping up this uh, podcast chat, but a couple more questions. Just reflecting now, Lee, like what have you enjoyed the most with regards to the last 18 months of your personal development? Like, like what would, what have you enjoyed the most looking back? What have I enjoyed the most? Building a relationship. Uh, um, relationships for me are, are strong and that's obviously working with you, Ed, through, through this process. Um, but I also got to know uh, some of the people that have done testimonials for me as well. Uh, Ashley, when I was working with him in, um, in Singapore and re recalling on people that I've worked with before and reconnecting with, with people. So relationships uh, has probably been the, the, the biggest one, uh, especially through that COVID period where you can feel quite isolated. So yeah, uh, relationships, probably the, the number one, number two, enjoying the messiness of writing a book and and relating that to the creative process which we did at Cirque du Soleil uh, where you have guidance but it's a little bit fuzzy uh, and then you uh, you finally get to the point where you can say I've written a book and yeah that's that's the that's part of the creative process has been been a lot of fun as well 100 I mean I can relate to that as well the relationships and actually you know, from a career standpoint, everybody work in the sports industry. This is why people work in the sports industry. It really is. It's the relationships you build and the cool projects you're involved in as well. As always, Lee, I like to finish with an inspirational question. And for me, I just would love to hear your thoughts of like three tips to the listeners to win the day. That's the question I want to give you. Like, what three tips would you give to listeners to win the day with being more resilient, being more like adaptable? I'd just love to hear your thoughts of those three tips relating to your experience and how you can help them after listening to this podcast. Yeah, sure. First one I would say is purpose. Have a purpose to everything that you're doing. That's, I think, probably the most important. Second one would be self-reflection. Um, looking back upon your day of did you get did you give it everything that you had if you if you wasn't able to why and question yourself uh and that's okay to question yourself uh, it's it, i think it's very healthy to to do that and the third one is um probably probably having good people around you they they i would say they they they're my top they're my top 3 no, I can relate to that. And there is a book and a quote, and I'm going to try and memorize it. You said uh, one of your quotes in the book that when you have five pe five good people around you, you become the sixth. And yes. I think to me, you're spot on there having the right people around you. And virtually, they don't always have to be in person. Like by way of it, I haven't met Lee in person. He's from Peckham, which is <laughs> like 45 minutes on the train. I still haven't met Lee in person. So uh, just to give you in this modern world we're in, it can be virtual. Um you know relationships of like the way we do it so but lee thank you so much for those three tips out of interest give a little reminder where they can get a book but where can also people interact with you on social media as well probably the the biggest one where you can get hold of me is probably on linkedin <clears throat> just type in my name uh lee mcdermott gymnastics whatever uh, i'm on facebook instagram i am off axis one 
you can buy the book on Amazon. Just just type in the the title "Resilience on Rings," and yeah, that's, I I hope everybody can can learn something from that book and absolutely so all the listeners listening in all those links will be in my show notes with regards to this podcast chat lee it's been a joy as always to get on a call with you to get on a video for the facebook community and even now like it's real joy so thanks for coming back on the podcast show it's been a real pleasure awesome thanks for inviting me ed man this is why i love podcasting and i really mean that for me listening to this podcast and sharing my thoughts afterwards. It's very hard to put in the words because I've known Lee now for 18 months and it's actually one of the first time I've shared an experience on the podcast with somebody I'm working with. I'm actually really confidential in the people I work with because I believe in integrity, I believe in trust, and these are vital components with the Gasp Sunica in the sports industry. Actually, the words don't really justify why it's so important. and. Lee and I were trying to be so honest in that podcast from our working relationship. But just to be clear with that phone call that when Lee rang me 11.30 at night, you just have no idea what was going through our mind at that time going, my goodness, number one, we're going to write a book. But there were things that Lee taught, told me I will not share on the podcast because I value that conversation a lot where he just opened up with vulnerability and why this book was important as a byproduct to help others. So the reason I'm sharing you this is trust is vital. And it's a quote that I've really adopted from a guy called Todd Herman, who's a high performance coach, where he said, trust is the most important currency you can trade. And to me, I've tried to live that to my best ability. And the reason I'm sharing you this is this leads to today's podcast topic, why resilience is key. If you're struggling and you're waiting or you're putting yourself out there for your opportunity, that's part of the sports industry. And if, like me, when I took a phone call at half 11 at night and I listened to Lee taking a load of notes and all it started with was a six-hour interview and then afterwards it gave me the time to process going, shall we do this? And I said yes. And so a lot of it's about grabbing the opportunity, believing in the ability and just going with it. Did I imagine 18 months would have a hard book? Of course, we put timelines in place. We had processes in place. But when you're in that process itself, especially at the beginning, a lot of it, it's just building the milestones, getting the momentum going. And this is part of resilience when how to overcome something or how to challenge hardships. And the reason I'm going really deep with you in this is this is part of the sports industry. But do you know what? It's the most enjoyable aspect. It's only now speaking to you. Yes, you. I've learned that the process and facing resilience in a, in a healthy manner, like, let me be really clear. You know, when I say resilience in this book, it was a challenge for us, you know, to be honest. But when it when I'm talking of resilience, if it's like life or death, that's a bit different, you know, hierarchy of resilience here but for us I actually thrived off the challenge and the resilience was really enjoyable to figure out how to overcome and be a problem solver so look I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have and for me personally I've really tried to give you the listener like behind the scenes working with somebody in the sports industry and 
hopefully doing it the right way. Um, and hopefully you can tell that with the conversation I had with Lee of the friendship we've built throughout these 18 months. And I think that's the last thing I'm going to say is treasure the friendships you start and create in the sports industry and just see them flourish like a flower. That's the first metaphor I could think of or image of a flower blossoming because that's how a great relationship it starts. It starts as a seed, it grows, and then it blossoms into an amazing flower. It's the same sort of process um, in sports industry when you build those meaningful starting connections, but in time build into friendships. So on that note, really apply one thing from Lee from this book, even as simple as don't sweat the spool stuff, which I apply to my personal development, by the way. But whatever you've learned from this one podcast, put it into practice now and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from a guest speaker. Lee said, when you surround yourself with five positive